This is the Last of Us podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Last of Us, Episode 7, Left Behind. So you leave me. I think you're dead. All of a sudden you're alive. And you give me this night. This amazing night. And now you're leaving again. Forever. To join some cause I don't even think you understand. Tell me I'm wrong. I think that you don't know everything. You don't know what it was like to have a family, to belong. I mean, I didn't have them for long, but I had them. I belonged to them. And I want that again. Maybe the fireflies aren't what I think they are, but they chose me. I matter to them. You matter to me first. God damn it, I want to punch you so bad. If it makes you hate me less. Welcome back, fellow survivors, to the Last of Us podcast from TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about The Last of Us episode 7, Left Behind. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow survivors. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this group of Mortal Kombat 2 lovers, I am Chris. (laughs) Indeed. Excellent. Definitely gamers. Definitely gamers. Definitely also really enjoy Mortal Kombat 2 back on the Mega Drive or the Genesis, depending on on what your console name was. Mm. Yeah, I, I was totally an arcade kid. I absolutely loved going to the arcade and wasting tons and tons of money uh, on machines that they, where the joystick wasn't working because it had been overused by everybody in the uh, in the 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 arcade uh, for weeks beforehand. So uh, that was definitely my thing. So I can I could totally relate uh, to Ellie and, and Riley in this episode. No, my my mine was console because otherwise I'd have to go into Southport. Oh, of course, yeah, Dublin City boy. You see, we always had arcades around. Oh yeah, you had what was it, Doctor Wiley's? No, not Doctor Wiley's. Uh, it was down on the the main Dublin Road, O'Connell Street. There was uh, an arcade there. There was yes, and I yeah. cannot remember the name of it. Um, but uh, right. we we had arcades quite in, in a lots of places, Chris. Um, oh, back okay. in the day, we, just we didn't just place. have one in the entirety of Dublin. Uh, well, I, we I'm had one old. entirety of Ireland. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but of course, we are going to be going into spoiler-filled detail about the, this episode of The Last of Us. Make sure you've watched it before we go into uh, the rest of the podcast. But a reminder, as always, The Last of Us World Ends pub quiz will be coming up later on. Question seven uh, will be coming later on the podcast. What that means is you've only got two more questions uh, to go. There's nine questions in total, yeah. So uh, at the end of our podcast for this season, you'll have nine answers to send in to us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, and with that, you'll have a chance to win a copy of The Last of Us Part 1 for PlayStation 5 or for PC. Um, if you want an extra chance to get your hands on The Last of Us Part 1, just write us an Apple podcast and send us an email with the details, and we'll add you into the pot as well uh, for a chance to win that. Keep on sending in those answers, fellow survivors. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if you want to tell us your thoughts, don't forget you can send us your feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or head on over to our spanky pants <laughs> new 
website. Ooh. Yes, stevepodcastindustries.com. It is new. It is brought to you by our beautiful Patreons. Mm-hmm. Um, in support by them, of course. They didn't actually make it themselves. But they, who knows? The, the developers might be also fans of TV Podcast Industries and our podcast. Who knows? They could be. I like to believe everyone's a fan of ours. Of course. Of course. Yes. Um, I also feel like I have to set up tvpodcastindustries.com slash spanky pants. Yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Although I don't know what that's, I direct that to. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, certainly is. Yeah. That's a late night gravelly voice with uh, some kind of libation in hand that's the podcast (laughs) i record after i've edited uh, a regular podcast (laughs) with deep jazz tones going on it well i'm not on that blues blues Blues. let's say blues cool cool but with that derek what are some of the episode details spanky pants (laughs) (laughs) well of course the show is based on the playstation game written by neil Druckmann and directed by bruce straley from game publisher naughty dog more specifically this episode is taken from the last of us part one downloadable content left behind an extra story that took place uh during the time of uh, the last of us part one uh the show of course is written and executive produced by craig mason and neil Druckmann, and this episode is written by neil Druckmann. uh the episode is directed by lisa johnson Lisa has done tons of TV, including Dead to Me, American Horror Story, What We Do in the Shadows, and Silicon Valley, interestingly. So lots, a, a wide range of shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great to have her on board for this episode, particularly. Um, yeah. So there's a certain style that's in this episode, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, that takes a good director to, uh, to ma- manage and maintain. So uh, I think Lisa did a great job in this episode. Yeah, definitely. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Last of Us, Episode 7, Left Behind? Sure. As Joel lies injured and bleeding out, Ellie remembers her tumultuous time in Fedra training. Ellie's best friend and roommate Riley has gone missing, and with three weeks having passed by, Ellie has become increasingly despondent, leading to a fight with another trainee. Following the fight, her senior Fedra officer, Captain Kwan, tries to encourage her to follow the rules, warning her that if she continues down her current path, she will end up as a Fedra grunt. But late one night, Riley returns to her former dorm room, surprising Ellie that she is alive, but also revealing that she has joined the Fireflies. She encourages Ellie to go on a night of fun with her and is brought to a shopping mall that recently had its power restored. Riley takes her through the mall, showing her the wonders of the long-dead world, from a carousel and a game arcade to a photo booth. They both drink to each other's health, from some whiskey they found on a dead body, and enjoy being back in each other's company. That is, until Riley reveals that she has been ordered by the Fireflies to leave Boston for Atlanta, and their leader, Marlene, has refused to allow Ellie to go with her. Ellie is furious that her best friend is leaving, but it's more than that. As they danced in a Halloween store, Ellie plucks up the courage to kiss Riley, and asks her to stay. With their feelings finally shared, the two agree to do what they can to stay together, but their shared moment is brutally interrupted by an infected in the mall. The stalker rushes them both from the darkness, with Riley shooting at it and Ellie stabbing it to death, but in the struggle to survive, both are bitten. In the aftermath of the attack, they resolve to make life count, no matter how long they have. They will go on their own terms and lose their minds to the cordyceps together. Back in 2023, taking Riley's final advice to never give up, Ellie frantically searches the house to find something to save Joel. 
Finding some needle and thread, Ellie begins to stitch Joel's wound together as best she can. Great stuff and an, another interesting change to the format here. Um, we talked about this before almost every episode, which I will definitely say almost every episode has a flashback within it that tells <laughs> the past or something from the past. This episode starting in the future or starting in the present, excuse me, 2023, and then the episode being the flashback and bookended back in 2023 again um, is, is another interesting change for, for the show and very similar earlier on to how this story appears in the game. It, it sits right in the middle of the story, effectively. Yeah, it was DLC, right? It was it was an expansion, if you will. It was released after the original game to yeah. give more context. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, they they specifically chose this story as a story they wanted to tell within the world um, afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very unusual type of uh, downloadable content for any kind of game. If you're, if you're a gamer, most people know D- DLC as being like an extra exciting adventure level or lots more firepower or loads more guns to add to your uh, add to your characters but this was backstory focused on ellie uh completely separate to yeah. the game effectively so uh so very different from what we saw in the in the main game yeah and you can tell because this is a great episode i'm already giving it away <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely agree with you chris this is an excellent episode i loved the story and it's, it's something that's really important and has developed Ellie into the person that she is now. This is a pivotal moment in her life uh, and really important for what she has to do going forward, What how she's, go- how she's been interacting with Joel so far, why she has been treating him the way she has and treating other people around her the way she has, and now what she has to muster to be able to deal with what's happened to Joel here. Well, that's, well, that's it. It's the past bleeding into the present, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Um, so it's it's really good uh, from that side. I think as well, whether this is Greg Mason's style or not, but it is just taking that and, and looking at this relationship, this, you know, love story, this moment of understanding one another's feelings and affection for one another yeah um in, in this mall and so yeah i mean it 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 just fits that it's like with um episode three mm-hmm. it's like with episode one sort of you know the the disaster unfolding it's these yeah. different almost you know distinct episodes on a different part of this world which Absolutely. is really good Absolutely. And, and again, what's really interesting about this is this episode is Neil Druckmann's episode. So we've had Craig Mason writing yeah. a lot of the episodes, um, them writing episodes together at the beginning of the series. And this is Neil Druckmann's episode. So we know he was so centrally involved in writing yeah. the story of The Last of Us and so centrally involved in the show itself. But uh, he wrote the DLC himself, the story that he wanted to tell in Left Behind. He's now transferred that to the TV show uh, itself. So that's why it's so close to, to what we played in the game. Yeah. So now it's also Neil Druckmann's style as well. Exactly. I, I, exactly. But I guess, you know, that's why the collaboration is working so well. Yeah. The birds of a feather. Yes, definitely. Two guys who love the game. We're both gamers and uh, are coming together to transfer a great video game to TV uh, yeah. in a great way. So, good you, stuff. You, pl- you played... You both played this, the DLC. Uh, I, yeah, definitely. Both of us played it, but what's probably interesting, we, we are a little bit late uh, for this podcast. We're recording a day late uh, because poor John was struck down a little bit ill uh, earlier on this week, so uh, we gave him an extra day. And while 
he was sleeping off uh, his. I'm infected. Him, him not being well. I was going to well. say, did you eat some mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had a dodgy mushroom volivant. There you go. Ah, there you and go. Most of it That's is. How it most of it is. But while John was uh, was sick, I uh, was was able to replay it. So I played the entirety of this uh, of this DLC, which is about two and a half hours. Yeah. Even when you're not. Uh, that good at gaming yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah i played the entire thing the other day so uh, so i'm really fresh in my memory so as a curiosity mm-hmm. before we kind of get in the really into it yeah is it uh did they kind of just take chunks did they take quite a lot of it out um like really the only difference is the show's only 48 minutes long and the dlc is two hours so there's a bit more padding because you're running around and you're doing activities you are you are fighting against infected. You are fighting against uh, some other attackers in the game, uh, which I don't want to give away. Um, but there, there is other things that are going on. But the basic storyline is is there. Um, and on the other side, they have added a lot more to what's going on in Fedra. Uh, the connection there with uh, with Ellie um, is much clearer in the TV show than it is in the game. Um, yeah. So we know that she's in a federal facility in the game, but not necessarily that she's a trainee and that she's on the yeah. path. That's all uh, in the show. But again, coming from Neil Druckmann, so it must have been in his head in some way. So, yeah, okay. but very, very cool. similar. Nice. nice. I, I was always like, again, this show is starting to become one of the flagship adaptations mm-hmm. of how you adapt if you want to call it that yeah like that's uh, a really good point and i know it's it, that that is the big talking point about the last of us but you know as a narrative story in the game there are very few games that are like that there's only about four or five games that i can yeah. count on my hand that are like that so i wouldn't say this is how the Super Mario Brothers movie that's coming out later this month should be handling Super Mario Brothers <laughs> because they don't have any storyline and they're getting sorry they do but have they some storyline. <laughs> they do, they do. Um, that is the connection. Um, but no, I, this is the way you adapt a game that's that's as narratively driven as as The Last of Us with edit out. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I sorry. Um, just to be clear, my piece here was that it is showing. We talked many times about adaptations. Mm-hmm how you would tap something from comic book to screen or from video game to screen or from screen to screen. (laughs) Just different variations like Daredevil from Netflix to the MCU, Mm -hmm. the adaptation of that that character. Um, This very much for me is, again, HBO. It's it's a Watchmen to watch the Watchmen to Watchmen. HBO series from the film to the HBO series and then from this game to the HBO series showing how it doesn't need to be a straight one for one, but also it is very much a... But it can be, yeah. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other piece. Exactly. Anyway, that was great to hear. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, And um, when the masses are playing um, The Last of Us game, I absolutely would tell you to play the Left Behind uh, downloadable content as well. Play both. Um, they're well worth playing if you're enjoying the game. Good stuff. Let's get into our major points uh, about the episode. Uh, we've talk, talked a bit already about uh, about some of the points, but um, let's just talk quickly about the opening. We've we kind of been doing this each week, talking about the, how the episode opens and the stage setting that's happening effectively. So following on from last week's episode, uh, Joel has been stabbed by the end of a baseball bat. Um, he fell off the horse, and we do see straight away at the start of the episode thankfully we do see that joel is alive he didn't die right there and then um it's not 
Uh, so nobody did die in last week's episode. That's the that's the highlight of last week's episode. He, nobody did actually die, but he has been dragged to a location where uh, Ellie's trying to take care of him and trying to trying to save him. So uh, so he's not in a, in a much better place than he was at the end of last week. But he's not dead straight off the bat, right? No, we have an answer to that. But he is dying <laughs> because effectively he is telling Ellie to leave him. Yes, he is. He's telling her to go back to Tommy and have Tommy take care of her and just give up on this quest that they're on. Go back to being herself. Tommy will protect her and take care of her. And that's uh, that's what he wants her to do. That's his way of saving her, getting her away from there. And I think she's about to take that advice when she walks up the stairs and opens the door. And then the, the memory's coming back to her about the last time she was in a position like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No pun intended. It is the bleeding through from that. Exactly. Traumatic time in her past here. Yeah. And this time she, you know, she's going to make sure that they survive because in this case it isn't an infected that has uh, bitten joel Mm -hmm. it is just a stab wound as it were yeah exactly it is just infection maybe from bacteria that could kill him oh god yes effectively did you see those rags i know exactly i was like cool 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 she's gonna save his life with with that and the sewing Uh kit she didn't even fire she didn't even burn the needle i was like Oh, he's getting an infection. Yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> Lucky Tommy had some antibiotics at one point. I, I, yeah. Otherwise, I, eh. I said may. I I should correct that to will get infected, <laughs> given the the hygiene around him. Very true. But that's unavoidable as well. Yeah. The the sure. first thing here is he's bleeding out. I mean, you know, she's trying to put the pressure on, but it is Joel insisting that she leave him behind. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, anything else about the opening of, of the episode, guys? And the only thing is, from my side, is is that it's taking place in a garage in mm-hmm. a town. I like this, the fact that the camera pans down the street. Mm-hmm. You see the horse, which does kind of a, a nice little shake of its head, and you hear all the snow fall off onto yep. the, the, the floor. But it's happening in a deserted town in a garage, which is in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's just... The reason why I say that is because of the just salivating at the prospect of what's coming of what's as well. Next. Yes, absolutely. Well, see, I don't know what that <laughs> is. But what I do know is when while it is panning, um, you can actually see the blood trail. Yes. Yes. So that was a very nice, very subtle touch mm-hmm. because it is literally just drops of blood. Yeah. Which you have to look at on the ground to kind of see because if your eyes aren't there, they're you you'll miss that whole part. Exactly. You just think it's a kind of a, a panoramic view of the town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and you can assume pieces. that Ellie has fought and dragged and done everything she possibly can just to get Joel to this point that he's indoors. But well, that's it. It's, it's those touches, isn't it? Yeah. You don't see it, but it, it it's the in the landscape exactly. that that story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a fourteen-year-old dragging a fifty-something-year-old man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And not a not a lean stick of a man. This is a muscly man. Yeah. <laughs> like that's gonna take some time. Let's hope the horse helped. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, that, that's Budweiser my... have a lot to, to answer for. That sounds like <laughs> the, the start of our spanky pants episode. I know. <laughs> a lean muscly man. There you go. But anyway. <laughs> we are creating this podcast on the fly. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, only one tiny thing, and this I promise I won't keep uh, referring to the game, but only one one tiny thing that I do miss from the game. All the all the uh, horses in the game have names. So 
the moment when Ellie leaves Joel in that basement with the horse, she tells the horse to take care of him while she's gone. It's just quite cute. So it's like as if she has some backup, uh, even though it's, the horse is kind of looking at her going, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Not that the horse is talking. The horse again, is going, but... <laughs> well, exactly, yes. Yeah. Uh, don't do good horse noises. Uh, anyway, that's the opening of the episode. Uh, Chris, do you want to take us on with your major point for the episode? Anything that you want to talk about? Sure. Um, I'm going to jump into Riley and the Fireflies and Ellie's questioning the, the, the truth behind, the intent behind the Fireflies, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed this opening. I was following along with the, 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 the kind of audience. Uh, and basically you get that as a flashback makes sense when they're running around she's listening to the walkman i was like oh star lord cool get that <laughs> and then it's you've lost your friend and i was like oh someone died okay yeah. cool i get it now she's pissed her like someone she knows has died recently etc 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 and when you first see the window i'm like oh, it's a ghost oh it's, it's a clicker oh it's a ro- like it's an infected yeah. getting in and like this is how she gets bit mm-hmm. i was like oh this is gonna be oh this is gonna be fun and then no you get introduced to riley mm-hmm. again bella ramsey as ali just spectacular the frustration of a 14 year old coming to terms with who she is mm-hmm. like where her like where she lives, fits into the world, her sexuality, mm-hmm. hormones, everything in between. You get that cute moment where she's like, she won't change in front of Riley. Yeah, yeah. And it's a foreshadowing to later, obviously, in terms of how she feels. Mm-hmm. But it, it's again just such a fun thing that quickly starts to. to I'm going to say the word deteriorate. It's not really what I mean. I just can't find a better term for it. In that it's almost like, and I, I put this in a weird way, and people might understand. It'd be like someone you know in your head joining ISIS or the IRA okay. or a terroristic group. Yeah. Mm. Like, you're like, what? You, no, I don't understand. And then, like, and again, I'm, this is, a, like, I'm trying to, it's a tough one because yeah. technically the Fireflies aren't fully a terroristic group, but in the eyes of most some people, they're a terroristic group in this sense, and they do bomb people. Well, I think I think that's the central interesting discussion that's going on between these two characters. They're both growing up the same way. They're both growing up under Fedra, um, and the argument really is happening here between the two of them because of what's happened with Ellie. Um, Ellie has been acting out since Riley left. Ellie's been getting more and more aggressive, and she's being told by the federal leader, "We are the we are the barrier that stands between the world falling apart, people killing each other over food. If it wasn't yep. for us, everything would fall apart." And I think he's actually gotten through to her at this point. He's gotten through to Ellie that there is a function of federal. You may hate us because. All kids hate all adults, especially teenagers. They hate all adults telling them what to do. You may hate us, but we provide a function here. And without us, that's the end of the world. Um, and Riley's just come back saying she has now joined the group that is trying to end Fedra. So yeah. she, they're having that argument. It's not, it's not specifically related to something in our, in our real world, I suppose. It's difficult to relate it to something in our real world. But what's happening specifically in this world is the two of them had joined completely opposite sides. And Riley's kind of coming back to her saying, 
that she's joining it for their moral reasons. And we find out later that's not actually the reason she's joining up with the Fireflies, but she's taking the side of their beliefs when yeah. Ellie's just buying into Vedra's beliefs almost. Well, I, I think as well what's really good about this dynamic is that Riley was in Fedra training mm-hmm. with Ellie. So yeah. she's she's come at joining the Fireflies with her own thoughts, her own motivations, and ultimately the decision to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with with Ellie and given the conversation with Captain Kwan as well, you know, that's the instructive element here uh, is that conversation that he has with her. And necessarily you don't really see or you wouldn't know much about what's going on. So, I mean, the the interesting thing to me was that you had on the one side Riley saying, well, not everything's the truth that they tell you, and that's correct. Mm-hmm. But similarly, it's whether they even know what's happening, say, in Kansas City. You get the distinction that whilst Fedra may be fairly, um, I guess, authoritative mm-hmm. and, and strict, whether Fedra in Boston has gone down the lines of lynching and sort of the almost that brutalistic route that Kansas City do that we've seen. And I guess that's what's in the back of our minds. Mm. Not entirely sure here. You don't get that sense. Yes, they are authoritative. Yeah. For sure. And they have got public hangings, which we saw in in episode one, and they do kill people that are infected when they come to the town instantly. That's, you know, that they're... But that's they're the fine line between the end of the world is the is the argument. It is, and, and interestingly, that you know the death penalty. It's now just simply that it's public mm-hmm. now in what used to be the U.S. rather yeah. than behind closed doors. So, yeah. like, there's different shifts and different mm-hmm. levels of shifts. But I like that Riley has kind of come to the Fireflies, having been in Fedra. But I I like the fact that you have. You know, Ellie questioning her constantly about, well, what is the true narrative? Are the Fireflies telling you everything? Is it in the Mm -hmm. end that they're just power plays on the same plane? Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a different intention. It may be less authoritative, but there will still be a certain hierarchy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that ideological sort of play, which in the sense, is almost a, a no-win game. Yeah. And so I like that there's these questions flying from both of them. Exactly. Back at one another about whether you trust what's being said to you. Yeah. Um, and that I think that's really just keeps this whole conversation as they move through to the mall. Um, it's just really interesting. And when Riley starts to open up a bit more about what her, you know, why she's there on that night yeah. as well. I also do like the fact that coupled to this is you have the moments that break this. So whether that's them jumping across the roofs or the fact that the dead person that they nicked the bottle <laughs> of whiskey from just falls through the floor, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Um, because one of the things about this whole episode for me was I was on constant edge. I thought this drunk person was going to suddenly turn. Mm-hmm. When he went through the floor, I suddenly thought that something was going to come up out of it. Absolutely. Something that, yanked yeah, it down. Yeah, I thought it was a, a yank down. but As we've, we've seen the crumbling floor earlier on in the exactly. season as well. Yeah, So absolutely. it yeah. just, again, had a great amount of tension mm-hmm. and suspense throughout the whole of something that didn't have 
the infected in the majority of the episode. Yeah. And it's a great... That's when you know you're watching really good horror, effectively, as right. well. Yeah. Um, you know, or, yeah. or, or thrillers. Yeah. It is that ability, even in sort of the normal conversations, uh-huh. uh, there's just this tension that you keep on the sofa watching it absolutely or certainly me anyway yeah without a doubt and and i suppose the one thing that you've come into this episode knowing is that ellie got bit at some point yeah so that's the one thing you know yeah that she has gotten bitten at some point by an infected so you know it's going to happen in this episode because that's the point of the flashback so yeah it could happen absolutely anywhere it could have been as you say chris the first moment when someone comes in through her window or at the last moment of the episode, as we as we see it happens here, so uh, yeah. I like that they ratcheted up the tension uh, in the background. Just in, it could have been coming from anywhere, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, and that's very much what you guys have said. What makes this episode is the tension between the heartbeats. That's how you. It's one of the things that like that Neil Druckmann does very well. He does in Naughty Dog in the Uncharted series, mm-hmm. like. In that, but that's more the action side. Yeah. So when you apply the 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 story beat, it was like if you can keep this tension going between the heartbeats, mm-hmm. that as people are kind of they're just always expecting it, they're just hyper vigilant and hyper intensely focused on what you're portraying and what mm-hmm. you're giving them. So what you see in this throughout this episode, you're you're almost willing them to move forward go on to the next thing, make the next jump, might enjoy their moment yeah. because it could be their last. Exactly. And that's what this story is about, that this is the, night yeah. to remember. Without a doubt, that's the entirety of the episode. And, and it's a great point. You know, at the end of the day, everybody has an end to their time. Yep. And nobody knows when it's coming. It could be two minutes from now. It could be while we were recording a podcast. Very likely, considering how many podcasts we record. But <laughs> it, it could be right then. You, you have no idea. So make the most of the time you have because you don't know how long it's going to be. Um, that's absolutely... <laughs> Why are we podcasting and not on holiday? Well, we, are, <laughs> <laughs> we can't be on holiday all the time. John, I'm joking. So, I know, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. This is a little break from work day. Joking, fellow survivors. Yes. Seriously, <laughs> joking. Good stuff. But yeah, that is that is the central part of the episode. And that is um, what drives Ellie at the end of the episode. Um, that central statement that comes from Riley of fight for it. You've got to fight no matter how um, long you think you have left, fight. So uh, yeah. that is yeah. why she drives on with doing whatever she can to save Joel. Yeah, okay, might be a slightly old uh, needle and thread, but it could keep him alive for those five more minutes that allows him to be saved. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, a, a great sentiment. And that's me then. That's kind of the, the Riley... Being there, Ellie having the questioning mm-hmm. her and the, this night to remember, yeah. which leads us to the mall, yeah. essentially. And that's Derek. I think you want to take us on to your next point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to really talk about the love story element of the episode, the, the four, well, let's say five wonders of the ancient <laughs> mall. Um, <laughs> I think this is such a sweet uh, story of these two characters together I really do I just think uh, from that initial moment when the two of them enter this forbidden zone within the the quarantine zone the mall that um, they would never have been in uh, before um, the idea in Ellie's mind that Riley would have planned out a whole night for her 
just about special things that she thinks Ellie would love. You can see from the moment she says that to her, wait a minute, you planned things? Like you can see she's feeling that special treatment from a person she's clearly in love with. While um, she's giving out to her about her her new Firefly sort of loyalty, yeah, which again yeah. is it is also what, Ellie, yeah. yeah, which is what <laughs> you do in yeah. with close relationships, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shut up, John. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I love that the whole section really opens with Riley putting a fine point on the fact that she's planned this out. She's telling Ellie, "Go in there, take a right, take a left, open that door." Um, stand outside and wait for the beginning of the romantic moment. She's planned it out so much in her mind that she knows Ellie needs to stand in a specific position so that she can see the lights of this mall turn on and the world be revealed to her um, like it hasn't been. You know, the big contrast from the mall they're seeing in this episode versus what we've seen, the kind of muted browns and dark colors that we've seen within the quarantine zone and with throughout most of the episodes it's such a massive contrast yeah there and this is riley professing her love in that moment even though she doesn't say anything to her she doesn't give doesn't really let on to ellie um that they, that she has similar feelings about her but from that moment you re- you really know there is a, a deep connection between yeah. these two characters absolutely I, I love the fact as well that riley takes the you know, the additional win here of the escalator Absolutely. to be the, the the fifth wonder of it. And I, yeah. I like that they, it's like anyone's first experience of an escalator, uh-huh. you know, really young. It's just that kind of, oh, wow, this is great. Or going, just simply going, uh, walking in the opposite direction to it. It's Absolutely. just like, re- it felt really real, yeah. certainly for someone who's never seen or used an escalator. Absolutely. Only heard about it ever in Tales of Myth and Legend. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love this idea that she's uh, she's so excited about it, that she's spending so much time going up and down, realising she uh, she can stand still by just walking at the same pace as it. Uh, yeah, so much excitement uh, from Ellie there. Really cool. Uh, and then we get on to the real first wonder, which is, well, it's, it would be a wonder in this world. A carousel playing uh, playing The Cure? That's uh, that's pretty awesome. Well, The Cure bit, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's That is yeah, some yeah. carousel. It certainly is. Uh, the opening note of that song, I think I recognise that as, as Just Like Evan. It's one of my favourite Cure songs, and I, I love it. I think they're clearly, uh, Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann, are around my age, or are in and around my age, because <laughs> we are the only group of people that know The Cure's songs, our loves, are actually love songs, and aren't distracted by The Cure, they were always an, an indie underground band, a band that wrote great songs that happened to be uh, speak to the indie scene effectively. So yeah, so I, I love I love having that. I love having uh, this choice of song here in the carousel. It's really cool. Uh, but that's when we really see the love of Ellie flowing out as she's being treated to this first wonder. You see the looks that she's given to Riley. You see her almost in the back of her mind. You see her almost behind her eyes. You see her looking at Riley going, is this the moment when I say something to her? Yeah. Yeah. The alcohol helps. Like it, it all kind of it loosens the tongue and the, the nerves. Okay. And yeah, it, it does. And I think as especially well, when you're 14. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 16. Absolutely. Um, and I think uh, it, it, it's also like the carousel moment that you've seen so many other times. Um you know, both for tales of romance mm-hmm. and when it, it it's kind of 
pulled back from that and given the alternative treatment, which to an extent this does, even though nothing happens. It's not like the Punisher carousel moment where there's... Do you know what I mean? But... (laughs) Wow, that's a flashback, sure. No, I know, but the, there is that element to it where you, because of the situation, again, it's that point where it keeps you tense, mm. uh, which I really when like. The, when uh, the music goes off or you think thinking there's an infected somewhere it, trapped exactly. under, this, under this, it's going to attack or and something. Yeah. I found I was getting wandering eye because I was looking in the background for exactly a movement yeah. really. or suddenly something on the carousel because I couldn't quite remember the DLC and I'm like where are they going to like make that moment so all the way through this loving everything about it how this the feelings of being exposed and and developed all Mm -hmm. the way through this how the you know the ultimately the what Riley as well needs to say in terms of her leaving is being gradually sort of pieced out through mm. these conversations i was having the wandering eye across all of that which really? makes i think what they did to show it even more great mm. in in terms of certainly with the arcade because there's so much sound and noise i'm going okay this is now the perfect place where they won't hear something coming towards them but to not have that mm-hmm jump scare in that sense yeah. at that moment or yeah. on the carousel yeah this is an episode really that good is, development yeah it, this is an episode that's a much easier watch on the second time you're watching it yeah <laughs> i must say it does it does help uh watching it the second time knowing what when the big moment happens it's much easier to to uh i guess almost languish in the love story and enjoy the love story much more when you don't think and in fact it's coming out of somewhere to uh to kill them both at any moment so <laughs> thankfully uh that's uh that doesn't happen uh on the carousel so uh so we just get to see the looks between uh between ellie and riley in fact there's even a moment where you see riley looking through the mirror at ellie so you can kind of pick up that she's also feeling the same and then they move on to the third wonder which is the photo booth how much fun is that um yeah. I almost feel sad for the two of them when they do all their poses into the photo booth and it prints out because getting $5, a $5 note that works in those machines in real days is difficult. Getting a $5 note, putting it into the machine and then getting the print out of them and only one photograph really comes out properly with with the uh, the strip of photos that come out. But it's a really cute moment because there's a closeness between the two of them again. Yeah. Um, you can tell like there's an excitement between the two of them and a little bit of a pushback, maybe too close. Maybe we've stepped overstepped the boundaries before we've uh, said anything to each other. Um, but yeah, love that little cuteness between the two. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, well, we did see her that she did essentially like almost destroy the change machine where you had all the notes and the cash on the ground. Um, so if they really wanted to, they could get another five and go back. That's true. That's very true. But I, I think the disappointment of not having a full strip of photographs means that the strip of photographs that print out won't be any good anyway. Because it's been 20 True. years since the small yeah. was around. So, unfortunately, um, that was their one chance. But at least they got a one or two good photographs out of that strip. That yeah. was very cool. Um, which is the third or fourth wonder, depending on how you're counting them, um, <laughs> onto the arcades with uh, with them going through and seeing all these uh, all the machines in here. Um, a little more game talk. In the game, they're not working. 
It's a very cute scene where Ellie's standing in front of a machine just seeing a blank screen and Riley's talking her through how you would play the game, what buttons you would press if you were playing the game. And they have this kind of shared um, dream almost of what it would be like playing a video game, but they don't play it in, in there. But in here, it's replaced with Riley having already gone in, setting it all up, getting coins so they can play an unlimited amount of Mortal Kombat yeah. if they want to and fight against each other and finally put into practice the moves they must have learned uh, from reading uh, magazines, I guess, uh, about about mm-hmm. the games. So it's... Um, yeah, and there's the poster on her dorm uh, yeah. wall as well in, yes, in Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so, uh, so we know that they, they both love this game and and the idea that they got the chance to experience it and play the game is really cool yeah again i think that's a that's a nice call out for all of us nerds where you've there's always these games that you've heard about Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god i've never got to play this one (laughs) and then finally getting to share that common experience absolutely be it a like everyone has it whether it's going to see a football match together with your best mate Mm -hmm. where you haven't got a chance to see it or a concert for you music fans or yeah. reading a comic book that like there's a shared a shared moment mm-hmm. a connection that you can build by a shared experience absolutely and i think on top of all of it is the fact that ellie's so impressed that riley has chosen all of these things to show her it's when she starts to doubt wait a minute why is she doing all this for me um yeah. You know, underneath this all again, it's a 14-year-old girl who's fallen in love with her best friend. And the big challenge, and you know, again, grew up like this, you know, the big challenge with this is what happens if you tell your best friend that you're in love with them and they reject them? Yeah. Not only do you lose the potential of a relationship with the person, you lose them as a best friend. And then added to that, as a gay person, you could also completely ostracize yourself from everybody else that you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you could be telling the exact wrong person not only your feelings but also your sexuality and it could blow up completely that is the consideration that's going on in your head when you're a teenager and and you're having these feelings well that i mean that's the other trepidation here in in these scenes Mm. is when is the right moment to do that all the things that hold you back Mm -hmm. that are blown out of proportion in your head rightly or wrongly um, in terms of what could go wrong, it's always thinking of the worst case. Exactly, you know, set against a really worst case known, which is an infected, apocalyptic yeah. kind of world. So it, it's just so well done because I think that's why it, it's all drawing, it's all being drawn out to that moment when they do mm-hmm. in the Halloween um, shop. And I, I love that all these different touch points are points that you would see for, you know, a young teenage couple. Yeah. And um, so, you know, going to the fair, yeah. going to the, the local arcade, yeah. going to get the 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 printout from the photo of the booth, photos together. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Heading even just to the mall yeah. or the shopping center. It's, um, it's the know, most romantic 80s date ever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but And that's the point. Is Ellie reading something in this that isn't there? Has Riley arranged this massively romantic night, effectively, for Ellie to tell her that she loves her and finally her feelings are confirmed? Or is something worse happening? And it does fall to the latter, right? It does have that 
problem in here that Riley is leaving. Riley is going yeah. from Boston. She's going, she's been sent to Atlanta. She's asked, can Ellie go with her? And been told no. And that could be it. They may never see each other again. Um, once you're in the quarantine zone, you're, you're basically in there. It's only been a few people that have been able to get out of there. So, uh, they're now going to be separated forever is, is where this lands. Yeah. The interesting part is Marlene said no. We do hear Marlene's name yes, yeah. mentioned here by Riley. Uh, and Marlene said no to bringing uh, Ellie, which is uh, which is interesting. I'm wondering if it's A, to do with the age, mm-hmm. or B, Marlene's like, well, no, I don't know this person. I can't kind of vouch for this other Fedra kid. The only thing really we know about the connection with Marlene, we heard in episode one that Marlene was the one that put her into Fedra. Oh, yes. So, so we know that Marlene knows Ellie. Ellie doesn't really know Marlene, or at least she has no, has not had any meetings with Marlene at yeah. all. So the mention of Ellie specifically from Riley seems to have gotten Marlene to say, nope, that's not happening. We don't yeah. really know much detail beyond how or why Marlene wouldn't be happy with sending Ellie off on this, on this, uh, Posting Suicide to Atlanta, <laughs> but potentially, or yeah. maybe she hasn't done the full amount of training that would make her ready for such a trip. Because mm. we see all the bombs at the burrito bar, effectively. So again, it's just it could be the age difference between them. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's another. Um, there's definitely something else. There's definitely way more to it, and I'm hoping we do learn more about that. I'm hoping it is a. Additional drop line when we get Marley another section with Marlene, or we see another flashback with Marlene, mm-hmm. yeah. or something. And it may even be, you know, just thinking about what I said earlier, it could be Riley was put into the Fedra training uh, as well by the Fireflies. So whether Riley has actually come at this separately, maybe she knows that, maybe she's been, it's almost like a sleeper trainee in the sense that put in there by them, then contacted them, Mm -hmm. and it's just not ready in that process for for Ellie. And this is the way the Fireflies are getting well-trained recruits out of it. I mean, it could be... It's not a bad idea. Send your your recruits to to the police, get them trained at the police academy, and then kind of grab grab them again go, oh, there you go. Or or what, I mean, you know, it's planting them in there. I mean, what's the... the, There is that movie around the mafia putting someone in the police uh, on the financial side of things in order so that they could keep it hidden. I, I think it had... It's a movie. I can't remember the name of it. I think it had uh, Matt Damon in it. That was the uh, Mafia was... Cop. <laughs> no, that no. was that was the Departed, the remake of the Infernal Affairs series. Wasn't that, it? Was it. Yeah. that was it. That was it. Yes, that's why. Great I movie. prefer my name, Mafia Cop, is so much. <laughs> Mafia Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. But yeah, you, you mentioned the uh, the pipe bombs that Riley's been building, and we find out the reason why she knows them all so well is that she's been stationed there by the Fireflies uh, since she decided to join them right so um so that's quite interesting so she has had lots of time to think about this romantic night with for ellie and and all the things she wants to do for in them all but it is actually because she didn't just stumble upon it because she's been living here and stationed here yeah. to protect the yeah. stash of weapons that are there but it causes a massive argument between the two again back to your point chris this massive argument between the two is if ellie's going to follow the path and become fedra and riley becomes a firefly, those pipe bombs are likely going to be used on her and people like her, 
on Ellie yeah. and people like yeah. her. So, um, so that is the challenging but moment between the two of them and their new philosophies that they're both on, effectively. Definitely. So, but, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It always comes down to, like, the Fireflies don't aim to kill people and say they don't kill people, but there is collateral damage in all wars. And the collateral damage are people like Ellie. Yeah. Are kids, are families just living in the DMZ. Like, that, uh, the, the QZ, sorry. Um, like, that is what happens yeah but they're um, also saying they don't kill people they don't kill civilians they only kill fedra and ellie's fedra like it, it they're saying that yeah. they're distinguishing people and fedra from each other and riley knows ellie's a good person right and there's probably yeah. other people yeah. like her so um riley lashing back saying no i wouldn't let that happen if you were anywhere near there but she's only a 16 year old new recruit for the fireflies it's not like she's going to have control of what targets they're going to be going after next you know we, exactly. we saw what marlene as a leader is like Follow my orders back in episode one. Why are people questioning the things that I'm telling them yeah. to do? Follow them and we will get through this. We will win this war, you know, um, is is the idea. Or or at least she was commenting on the fact that they hadn't won the war in 20 years. They have a big push to do to get there. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's, a, it's a different circumstance between both of them, definitely. Agreed. But let's go on to the final wonder of my point and then we can move on to your uh, your major point from the episode, John, as well, if that's all right. Yep. Because the fourth or fifth wonder, uh, again, depending on which way you count them, I'm actually going to add in a sixth here because um, just before they get to the final place, we get the pun book too, the second pun book that's given to uh, to Ellie here, which becomes her her favorite possession. We see her still reading out puns from this book to Joel when, uh, when she's in a happy mood or when she, when she wants to annoy him or when she's run out of things to say. So uh, the, the pun book came from, uh, came from, Riley and Riley knows this is the thing that will make her really happy. Yeah. So, uh, so she found the second pun book. Did you notice the first pun book was actually sitting in Ellie's uh, in Ellie's room yeah, yeah. as well? So, uh, volume two is amazing. Oh my god, I can't even believe there's one that exists. So, uh, so delighted with that. But, uh, but then they have their argument. Ellie leaves and they come back uh, together in the final wonder, which is Spooky Town, the Halloween place. Yeah, I, I like the fact that Ellie's drawn back here because of. The um the screams come coming from Halloween. So mm. initially, she's thinking that Riley is in trouble. Yes, and yeah. is rushing to her help to aid her. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's a nice little touch though, because despite the argument, you know, that because that's the downer from everything that's sort of built up to this. Yeah, um, that the that feeling then is brought with a shock because she thinks. Riley's in trouble. Yeah, right back up there, and so it's a it's a nice touch. I thought in in the episode to do it like that, Absolutely. and ultimately, then, it in a sense that's the catalyst to express the the true underlying feelings there. And to have the first yeah. kiss. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what I also love about this wonder, though, this place is, it is the most frivolous thing yeah. in them all. Remember, the fall of the world happened in September. Obviously, you would have a Halloween shop in a mall, um, but it's full of so much frivolous stuff. We heard earlier on, as they went through the mall, that been every shop had been looted for all the things that mattered. But everything that didn't matter was left behind. So you have Victoria's Secret, a completely useless shop, um, still with all of its stock in the windows, nobody would would want to go in there. It doesn't ha- it doesn't yeah, have anything to help in why. the apocalypse. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
And now we have this other story that Riley thinks that Ellie would absolutely love because it's preserved how much useless crap would have been in them all uh, before the end of the world. And all that mattered was how would you get to the next day? How would you get your next meal? How would you stay alive when there's uh, creatures attacking you every day? So, uh, so I do like that as well. I still think it's their version of Spirit Halloween. I still think it would have been useful. If you put on like latex masks and a load of kind of costumes, the, the effect that are not going to be able to bite through that. Much <laughs> that is work. true. That like, is true. It's basically a like a light kind of armor. It's your it's Maybe. your light armor. You I think no. there's probably easier uh, shops to get that stuff from, though. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But I I would. I would think that would be a useful kind of strategy to take. I do like that for the latex masks, um, Bella Ramsey, aka Ellie, is wearing the wolf mask. That's right. So it kind of does look like a dire wolf, given that she was a house in the the north in Westeros. She was, um, yes. I think it's originally a wolf mask that she was in the game. It is. So before her big reveal in the game of thrones i like that kind of serendipity that's happened here um, it's an extra, and extra yeah. extra hbo connection it is uh, to the mask yeah but <laughs> uh, but this came out in 2013 so way before she played the animal mormons in the uh, in game of thrones but i do like uh, i do like that connection but yes both the masks the uh, the clown mask and the wolf mask are the first two that you see uh, and there's a little uh, mini moment where you go around trying on every single latex max- mask in the store and and scaring each other, uh, which is which is lots of fun. Uh, just to just to uh, to have a little play with uh, if you if you have that time to do it. As I said, it took me about two and a half hours to play the game. Maybe I could have done it a bit quicker if I wasn't trying on latex masks around uh, around the Halloween shop. <laughs> that that's currently in real life. Yes. I yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> you paused and went to a latex mask shop. Yeah. But that's it. Those are the five wonders of them all. The the um, lovely romantic moments between the two of them as they as they went through them all from uh, from Riley. Um, John, do you have the other major point, the final major point from the episode? Yeah, I certainly do. Oh, to be young and feel love's keen sting. Mm. Um, yes, it is the the attack. Um, more sort of on your nose with that uh, keen sting. Yes, but it's also the fact that you know. Potentially in that moment, following the attack by the the stalker, are leaving, leaving. Uh, it's not a breakup. Mm. Like we effectively could have seen a few moments earlier, uh, only for Ellie to come rushing back. Mm-hmm. It's not just simply a, a breakup. It is that both in this attack are are bitten. And yeah. um, as I said before, so I loved having the uh, arcade parlor just them panning the camera out and looking down the dark mm. corridor of the mall and then moving through that to this infected uh, wed- wedded to the wall with mm-hmm. the fungus uh, and that attack happening again a bit a bit later here not were you necessarily thinking of it mm. where they have shown you the threat that is contained in this mall. So I, I really thought this was, um, you know, a really uh, emotional. It, it's tragic yeah. because at this moment in time, they've, they've had their dance. They've had fun. They've reconnected on the basis that I guess Ellie thought Riley was being attacked by uninfected. Mm. 
Um, she does, now, in fairness, she does come back. She chooses to come back and then hears these screams inside the mall and runs. So she's not, yeah. she's not, she's not just turning around because she hears the scream. She goes out the door and then chooses to come back. So she was on the way and then uh, ran. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But she hears the noise. Yeah. And, and one, and then as she gets closer, it's the screams. Exactly. She thinks that's Riley from the toy. Yeah. So I really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I like, I just really like this because like the weight it gives to that attack following the the kiss mm-hmm. the real exchange of feelings the weight it gives then and ellie even saying stay yeah to riley and riley agreeing like that's it we'll work out something but that's yeah. it and it, but it's the weight as well that you've yeah. just had the moment where riley has told her she's leaving and now there's the moment where from their point of view they're both leaving yeah and uh, but it's riley's philosophy that connects in with Joel's piece at the opening as you mentioned before mm-hmm. of you know w- we're going to go out on our own terms effectively here yeah you know you know and and I love that the run through the options and just you know the gun to the head or or just taking yourself out mm-hmm. there and then isn't the option because they've had this evening together it's the second option let's just Let's just play this out for as long as we've got. Yeah. So we go out on our own terms and, and you know, we make what we have left matter. Mm-hmm. And I just thought yeah. that was really so good. Absolutely. Um, and because as well, Ellie doesn't realize, you know, that philosophy makes Ellie realize she has this antidote she has this cure within her she has you know the thing that tackles the the cordyceps in her blood and is able to prevent her from becoming an infected stalker clicker mm-hmm. swole stalker eventually <laughs> you know a bloater and yeah. um, so that you know in yeah. a sense riley's saving two lives here not only joel because of that flashback mm. and the moment that Ellie remembers all this, but it is possibly Ellie's life as well. Yeah. Um, and more than likely if they decided to take each other out or to go the quick route. So I, I thought this just really, it just was so well done. It mm. just was a cherry on top, even though it was so tragic, Yeah, yep. emotionally charged and, and just, you know, the, these two are really good together. You kind of want to see more of them together. Yeah, um, yeah. But alas, the attack from the stalker, which is specifically an infected that hides out, uh, waits for the noise, or, or I guess the the um, mycelial network thing to mm-hmm. sort of alarm them so then they can stalk their prey from the shadows. Yes, yes. So, yeah. yeah. A scary variant of the infected. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bad variant. That's a good MCU joke, by the way. Well done. Good, <laughs> good, good multiversal joke. I'm, I'm appreciative of that. That's good. That's good um, so I look, the, for me, this love story, all good love stories are tragic. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> Don't, <laughs> tell <laughs> Don't tell your wife. Don't tell my wife. But Excellent. look, at William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. Look at every major love story in literary or kind of cine- cinematography. And it's all based <laughs> on 
drama and tragedy. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, going to say, I should change my quote to, oh, to be young, middle-aged, or old, and feel love's keen sting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I look, it was a beautiful moment, mm-hmm. and it's then punctured with the, the, the death. It adds, well, not the death, I should say, because well, we don't actually see Riley go. Thankfully. We do know that less than three weeks, just over three weeks later, we are, we pick up with, um, Ellie in, uh, the Firefly's room mm-hmm. because she was bitten three weeks ago, she says, um, when she first meets Joe. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we know that this is recent. Now, her remembering this, it's three weeks plus three months and a bit. So. Right. <laughs> we're like she to be fair she's basically remembering the summertime she's like do you remember that time four months ago oh yeah there you go like when she's like with joel and ellie so again when she's with joel because again like the world when she's thinking and opening this door to try and figure out and decide is she going to let another person die and let someone go the decision not to, and then they're rummaging through and like running through, grabbing everything yeah. and re-sewing a very, at a certain point, I'm assuming a passed out Joel, because that much pain, <laughs> uh, you'd assume he's going to kind of succumb to this. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also nice how, you know, in the flashback, you have Ellie's reaction to it all is trashing the Halloween store. Oh, yeah. And breaking the counters. And in a sense, it's almost like a constructive version of that Mm -hmm. rather than the destructive version that we see happening out in the house as she's trashing everything, but it's with the purpose to find the solution. Mm -hmm. It's not just a lash out. And it's just kind of a nice little connecting thread there. I don't know whether it's intentional, whether that's my mind making yeah. up but yeah, yeah. you know it's it's a it's that nice contrast and i i find these episodes completely full of all this stuff and i really think it's it makes it really deep um uh, and is just so well thought out in terms of all the stages of producing this yeah. you know and and acting is so it, it's phenomenal for me to see yeah. this play out absolutely just how how it's constructed is so, so wonderful such a great a great way of take, bringing this story to life and interestingly to your point chris about this being very shakespearean um that's more true than you might think as well you mentioned romeo and juliet in the houses of the capulets and montagues you know what we're talking about here is riley a Firefly and Ellie in Fedra. That's about as close you can get in this world right now to that Romeo and Juliet story, right? So, so uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, there's always that saying that there are no more original stories to be told <laughs> anymore. It's just variations of the originals. Because that's what it, like, there, there is, it's that joke of, like, in South Park, Simpsons did it, Simpsons mm. did it. Again, you just... To have a good story, you need the beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Protagonist, antagonist, uh, a, a major kind of act three part, and uh, kind of the deci- deciding moment in the middle. Hmm. Um, 
And I just, they did it all in again, like 40 plus minutes. And yeah. it's not even, because when you start taking out the, the beginning and the end, you're getting this half hour chunk mm-hmm. of story, which is just, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's fabulous. Yes. You know, even, even if every story has been told in the world, there's always a new view on it. And this is a great new so. view. It's, it's fabulously put together. I am so glad. I know you mentioned it earlier on as well, Chris. I'm so glad we didn't see the death of Riley. That can be left hanging there. Doesn't need to be shown on screen, thankfully, um, because we know that's what happened. We've we've seen that side of the story. We we saw how angry and broken Ellie is when she meets Joel. We saw her reaction at Joel last week when uh, Joel was leaving her with somebody else. We saw how aggressive she was about losing somebody else that she was starting to care about. So we know how badly this hurt her. So we don't need to see that. Thankfully, they, they made that decision. It made loads of sense um, to not end on that really tragic note of what happens. Um, but it's pretty clear what happens. I, I still think we will get a quick scene where like basically the fireflies come back into the mall. Ellie's there. She's locked. Riley in the one of the the cages of the, the stores, mm. and you've got that as Riley isn't affected, and that's where she meets Marlene. She's like, "I've been bit, but nothing's happening. What the hell?" And then that's the bit, the next part, mm. because they need to show that just next that next final bit, because the only thing they haven't done is explain. You always shoot the infected, mm-hmm. kill the infected. Why did they not kill her? That's the only part they haven't explained. So they need to show a quick scene explaining why one of the fireflies decided, okay, well, Riley's been infected. Mm-hmm. She's she's already kind of turned. Ellie's been infected. This other girl who's in with all our pipe bombs yeah. has been bitten, but she hasn't turned yet. Well, just usually you would just shoot her because that's what all the other bits say. The literature, basically, she's been bit on the hand. Yeah, she's got a couple of hours. Those are Fedra posters, remember? Um, that's not true, necessarily true, true. how how Firefly lives. And I will say one more thing about it. Remember, Ellie did say she had killed before to Joel. Oh, so um, so I think that's pretty clear that she's the one that kills Riley. Ah, did not put that together. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Um, that explains the bitterness and the anger. She killed the woman she loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But yeah. we will see how it plays out on the rest of the season. I think that's overall our major points from the episodes. Uh, I think I've covered off uh, most of the notes I had uh, as well from the episode. I did want to call out one uh, great performance in here as well from Terry Chen as, as Captain Kwan in, uh, in the episode. I love that moment when he's uh, laying out the path for Ellie where he's saying, if you follow this path, you're going to become a grunt and Bethany, the girl that she punches in the face, um, she'll be the one giving you orders. If you follow the rules, you could be the one that will be ordering Bethany around. Uh, yeah. Love that moment. And I, I love how that plays in parallel later on. We find out the real reason that Riley has uh, left the Fedra is because she was told you're going to be a grunt. You're effectively going to be watching over people shoveling shit. That is your life in the future. You have no future at all. Whereas Ellie had that conversation to perk her up and get her and get her to a point where she believes in Fedra. Riley effectively was told this is all you'll have in the future. You have 
nothing other than watching over the worst job that we have. So um, so I like how that all plays out. But but Terry Chan himself, um, we know him from Jessica Jones season two. He's we one, do. He was the, yeah. one of the main uh, antagonists in that show. He was the, the one that was trying to take over Alias Investigations. So we saw him back in, yes. back in season two. I think he did about six episodes of that show. So great to see him here in, uh, in The Last of Us. We love the alumni coming back from shows that we've we've uh, watched before uh, in new roles. So uh, awesome to see him here. I'll throw one in. Um, you see the Naughty Dog logo in that same Quen's office. Oh, very good. His keys. When you basically he throws his keys on the desk. Mm-hmm. It, it, the basically the keychain is the Naughty Dog. Nice, logo. very good. That's why Ellie goes for the keys. Really, it's because the Naughty Dog logo is on there. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, and we should really call out Storm Reed as well, uh, who played the role of Riley in this episode. So good. Like, such a good um, Definitely, character. Once yeah. again, you know, the casting in the show has been fantastic by dropping in actors for one episode and the impact they have on the story of Ellie and Joel has been fantastic. I don't think there's been a, a poor casting choice so far. But uh, Storm Reed, do you guys remember where we might have seen her before at all? I should do. I know her face. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. I'm guessing... Walking Dead? No, no. It's not always Walking Dead with me, John. I have watched other things. <laughs> I have watched other things. Storm Reed is known from Euphoria, but we've seen her and talked about her on uh, on the Suicide Squad podcast for when we talked about the uh, the recent yes. Suicide Squad. Yes. She was Idris Elba's daughter in there. She was the one that uh, that went to visit him in prison and got terrible advice uh, from uh, from her father, who's uh, who was in prison. And so that's where we recognize her for, from. But uh, wonderful in here. I think, again, another... Um, character that people will remember and, and the next time you see her it'll be oh that's your one that was in the was in the last of us as riley <laughs> so i think that's what it's going to be that's quite cool isn't it well, definitely yeah yeah with all of that said overall guys i think i can guess uh, what did you think of the episode i think uh, we've we've kind of landed on this being a really good episode but chris what what's your overall final thoughts on episode seven of the last of us i absolutely loved it like, for me, it was one of those, again, it's Romeo and Juliet. It's a love story. Um, it's, uh, for me, representation that you rarely see. Mm-hmm. There there haven't been that many LGBTQ plus love stories. Uh, like, in a major triple A, quadruple A, high budget yeah. kind of shows, all of it is just... Fantastic. It's just so great to see. Um, but also, as we talked about, John, it's the, the tension between the heartbeats of this story. It's just constantly looking, yeah. scanning in the back, kind of like, Oh, is that shadow move? Oh, oh, what's this? Oh, so overall, it's just fantastic. Just again, every week. Yeah. Some like top tier TV. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent TV. Really, really enjoyed this episode. Um, and it's, it's such an interesting diversion from the show. It's such an interesting idea to go back and get everything that's happened to Ellie, everything that's turned her the way she is, you know, obviously coming from that background of her being an orphan, not knowing her parents, not knowing anybody that she loved, linking in with Riley, who at least had some time with her parents. So she knows what love is and she can't find that in Fedra. And then, when they lose each other at the end, that inspiration from Riley is what's driving her 
to save Joel in the way that she that she yeah. any way that she can at the end of the episode. I think that's just a, a wonderful arc of a story uh, coming out of the episode and just beautifully portrayed by by both um, Storm Reed and by uh, Bella Ramsey, of course. Uh, really, really good. Um, delighted to have this episode uh, on screen in in the season. I didn't know how they would work it in and whether they would at all, uh, whether they would skip the DLC as a lot of play- players would have done <laughs> didn't play the DLC only play the main game kind of thing so uh, so I'm glad they found a really good way of of putting this into the story because it's really well worth uh, uh, well worth being told how about yourself John what's your final thoughts on the last of us episode 7 oh i would give this 5 the cordyceps out of 5 nice um i thought this was a really bitter sweet episode mm-hmm. and and for me it's just the the layering the crafting of this um in terms of their relationship how that's portrayed like phenomenal the the you know that bittersweet take at the end how it's linking into a current situation uh, and informing it but um it it's also just the the craft of you know at the end of the day this is in a dangerous dreadful world with many threats and uh-huh. it's layering into that this tension as you say probably reduces after the first watch but yeah. nonetheless it's like it's just really really expertly crafted mm-hmm. um and so absolutely love this episode yeah. um really deep really emotional uh, and uh as good as any of the ones that have come before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd give this five, the cure decepts out of five. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, definitely needed a drink after this episode. Let's go on over to our last of us world's end pub quiz. Yes. Uh, fellow quizzes, fellow survivors. I hope you've got your bottle of whiskey that you've picked up from a dead person somewhere <laughs> uh, in the rubble of the decaying mm. world that we live in. Free whiskey. Yeah, free whiskey and the good stuff. Uh, None of that moonshine uh, that has been done since. Uh, We have question seven from Mm -hmm. this episode. Here it goes. What 80s movie poster hangs on the wall above Ellie's bed in her Federer dormitory? Keen eyes for that one. Good movie, I think. I certainly remember it. (laughs) Absolutely. John, do you want to get the question one more time? Yes. What 80s movie poster hangs on the wall above Ellie's bed in... Her Fedra dormitory. That's it. That's question seven of nine. Ooh. Ooh. Star Trek Picard. Link uh, to Star Trek Picard <laughs> indeed, yes. Over here, yes. If you want to get any of the other questions from The Last of Us at World's End Pub Quiz, pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. All seven questions so far are up there. Uh, put them together with the next two questions, question eight and question nine, of course. Uh, send them in to us at the end of the season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you could be in with the chance of getting your hands on The Last of Us Part 1 for PC or PlayStation 5. Great stuff. We do have some feedback for this episode coming in from Facebook. First up, Richard Blaze had this to say, Man alive, every week I say I'm not going to cry at the latest episode of The Last of Us, and every week I fail miserably. This week again had so much emotion and heartache. Really want to know what happened after they were bit. Obviously, we know elements, but what actually happened? If Bella Ramsey doesn't get a heap of praise and accolades, then there is no justice in the world. And Storm Reed was phenomenal. 
What a presence to be only in one episode, but to make such a noticeable impression. Can't believe that we've only got two episodes left now. I really don't want it to end at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, Stormreap just fantastic yeah. in this episode. Really yeah. good. Agreed. Yeah. I've been staying away from Euphoria. It's never been a thing that's kind of really intrigued me or mm-hmm. kind of something I would care to watch. Um, but with Zendaya and the Storm Reed now, and I'm like, more and more, I'm like seeing actors or actresses come from mm-hmm. Euphoria. I'm like, oh God, I'm probably going to have to watch this at some point. <laughs> Don't make it out like a chore. <laughs> it, it is, it is definitely one of those shows that, um, airs more on the side of a, an interesting watch rather than entertaining watch. There's a lot of, uh, of tough subjects that are dealt with in the show, but, uh, but I, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, I watched a, a fair few episodes when it came out first and just unfortunately didn't, uh, didn't keep up with it. Uh, but it's another show that I will hopefully be going back to soon because you're right. The cast is fantastic and they're making waves everywhere. Great stuff. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much, Richard. Also on Facebook, Donald Dennis says another finely crafted episode of Last of Us that felt like the exact opposite of last week's offering. Mm. The framing, pacing, and way the characters engaged was finely tuned to make me physically and psychologically uncomfortable all the way through, which is probably what they were going for. Mm-hmm. We didn't even need to see the clicker before it attacked. It made sense they would be drawn to the noise. Though it didn't hurt that that one was shown waking up. The entire time they were in the Halloween supply store, I was waiting to hear that creepy motion sensor toy shriek off screen. Mm -hmm. And their backs were turned. This show has been amazing by using the environment set scenes. So I was a little disappointed that instead we heard the creature just crashing into something like it could have done anywhere. (laughs) I've never played the video game, so I can't wait to hear you talk about this episode and how it relates. Thanks, Donald. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it really is just charting a great um, season as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I'm totally with you around just how this is being crafted. And it does make you uncomfortable, even though they don't focus that much on the infected mm-hmm. in, in a lot of circumstances. It, it's just that presence. It's the environment, as you say, whether it is broad sweeping desolate snowy mountain ranges uh to and and the quietness of that as well mm-hmm. uh to this this mall again a quiet space but punctuated with noises i mean i i was convinced something was going to happen in the arcade because i was like well that's where they won't hear it but mm-hmm. yeah it is more of a surprise attack here from the the stalker but that's his mode of uh, operation in a sense. Absolutely, that's the type of infected he yeah. is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's also my nickname. The small <laughs> space infect impacted by noises. Oh, right. Not the stalker. <laughs> <laughs> Not the stalker. Uh, we were a bit worried about, about you there for a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a small space. Although at the moment on, on the video for this podcast, you are backlit, which means your yeah. face isn't really visible. Yes. So, yes, that's even worse. I have a very dirty laugh at help. We need front lighting on you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Is it really Chris? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But there you go. Oh my goodness! Turn it off quick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Glad, glad it's not a video podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Thanks so much for that, Donald. I hope I hope I've given enough context for the video game. Um, it, it, since you haven't played it, there's there's probably a couple of big things that are that are different, but they don't really matter a huge amount for the story that they're telling on the show. The one kind of major difference is that there's obviously a lot more action in the game uh, because it's not just a, a storytelling uh, DLC. It's not just yeah. the two of them and one. Uh, and one stalker uh there are other moments in it when uh when ellie is using weapons and uh and being attacked so obviously there's that piece uh also it is implied that the relationship between ellie and riley had started beforehand and ellie thinks that the reason riley has been gone for as long as she has is because of her feelings about the relationship so that's implied um but not not directly said um but every other major moment here is captured in the in the game uh, right down to that really touching moment where uh, where Ellie says to stay. Yeah, I think that's the great thing about the uh, adaptation. It it has to be different because this is a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the best video game would have multiple deaths in it. I mean, that's the thing. How many? You know, the, so I love how the adaptation has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's great that the you know original creator is on board with the TV show with the uh, adaptation. Absolutely. It does. It just reminds me, you know, certainly recently with Neil Gaiman and how he is wants to retain that control and at the very least involvement in, yeah. you know. So I th- I think uh, it's really good, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Good stuff. Thanks, Donald. Uh, final piece of feedback comes in from Victor Von Doom, who says, another great episode, the acting as always on par. The Pearl Jam song was perfect for the flashback in the gym. Ellie has her own violent streak inside of her. Her time with Joel will only bring it to the surface. The arcade scene brought back many memories of dropping a lot of coins in those machines, and the stalker attack led to a very tragic discussion. Kids should not have to contemplate suicide. Bravo, storytelling. Here, here. Yeah, absolutely, Victor. Yeah, yeah thanks, Victor. Yes, uh, we didn't mention the Pearl Jam song, but again, another great choice of song uh, for, for the flashback uh, as she's running around in circles gosh that reminded me of my hell of pe as well so (laughs) running around in circles listening to pro jam yeah that's my team no uh, we weren't allowed walkman either (laughs) so it was like oh no yes today i went for a run and my earphones died oh no midway through I do not like running, uh-huh. doing cardio with my own brain. That's not, <laughs> no, a, it's it's not a fun place. No, it's it's not thing. a fun place. You need distracting, yeah. be it music or podcasts. Yeah. It is Hopefully horrible. people are running, listening to us, distracting them. Yes. But no, being there, no, that's just not fun. No, <laughs> no. I, I do love that she has her walk and she keeps it with her the whole time. Uh, I, I will say that is also in the game. That is one of the things that you find in her backpack. So she does carry the Walkman with her as well. So, oh. of course, analog technology would last a lot longer than digital technology. So your iPod's gone in about two days, right? Uh, or any any uh, musical device that's got MP3s on it. But an analog, uh, something that you can put a tape into, uh, will last as long as batteries last. Well, the, some of the old mini disc players and some of the old, um, the original MP3s, like the Zunes, ran on AA batteries. It, yeah, yeah. It, it depends whether you have a source of electricity, which they seem to in the quarantine zone. Mm-hmm. So as long as the yep. voltage is right, yeah, but could, no internet yeah. connection. Yeah, but suddenly, well, suddenly Central Apple, who's probably still alive, will put out an update, and your iPod will be useless. Absolutely. <laughs> if, if you've got old school electronic. Yeah. Where you've got your own library um, electronically done, then yes, which we used to have. We did. 
We don't have it anymore. No, nope. damn it. Okay, Excellent. the apocalypse is going to suck. <laughs> At least we have some vinyl. Uh, That's true. That might work. As long as the plug still works. <laughs> as long as the plug still works. Excellent. Thanks so much for your feedback. If you want to send any feedback into us, of course, you can use our email address, feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Yes, or you can join us over on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries. Yes, and if you like what you've heard so far, don't forget you can support us by heading on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast energies where you can support us for any ongoing amount on a monthly basis. Or you can buy us a one-off donation by heading on over to buymecoffee.com slash TVPI where you get our illustrious, our illustrious host and editor Caffeine because he needs it he adds it into the wee hours of the morning. If you really want to don't forget you can also head on over to apple podcast or spotify and leave us a review or if you can't if you've already done it don't forget you can share the podcast because sharing the podcast is what gentlemen sharing, sharing the love. love yes absolutely after a, after an episode full of love uh share the love for the podcast by sharing it yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Lots and lots of stuff going on still at the moment. Uh, the Star Wars: The Bad Batch continuing each week. Um, just had a really good episode this week, episode eleven of The Bad Batch. I think yes. it was time to coincide with the launch of uh, of The Mandalorian, putting on an episode that good of The Bad Batch on the same day as The Mandalorian starts. <laughs> yeah, as definitely. Well. So everybody gets the great Star Wars content uh, on their Disney Plus each week. Uh, but yes, we're going to continue covering uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch until the end of that season. We're also over in Star Trek, covering Star Trek: Picard, the final season over on paramount plus and on prime video in europe so um go check that out go check out those podcasts otherwise we will be back with the last of us episode eight next week when we are in need Ooh, not us that's the episode title we will not be in need we are always in need of good entertainment but in this case it's the episode title Mm -hmm. yes looking forward to that one penultimate episode of the last of us thanks for joining us talk to you again next time bye Yes, thank you so much, fellow survivors, for joining us on our mushroom tour of The Last of Us World. Uh, We can't wait to speak with you again next time. But in the meantime, keep watching, keep listening, and keep surviving. Bye. Bye.